Okay, welcome everyone. Today's topic is about our digital future and whether our digital future might be in danger because the Gen Z skills gap and the unpreparedness of our younger generation, which is a really interesting topic because you would think that our digitally native young people are prepared for this, but recent research by Intel finds that the young generation is actually ill-equipped for future careers in tech. And to help me discuss this topic, I am joined today by Trish Bloomfield, who is the Intel General Manager in the UK. So welcome, Trish. Great to be here, Bernard. Thank you. It's so nice to have you with us. Where are you joining us from today? So I'm joining you from sunny London. So I think you can probably see a bit of the light coming in, which is brilliant. Uh, but uh, sorry if it just creates a little bit of a shadow. Hopefully it looks okay. <laughs> Puts a nice spotlight on you. It looks lovely. <laughs> so this study was interesting because it shows basically that our young people are not really prepared for especially emerging technologies. What I've taken away from this study was that 45% of people had a real appetite to pursue career in tech, but 55% also said that they don't really understand AI, which is one of the, the driving technologies. There's still a big gender gap and Today, we can talk about what we can do about this and how we can address this and whether it is there's still enough time to get people into this career and get them prepared so we can move on. So maybe we can start with you giving us a picture of how you see the digital skills landscape at the moment. Yeah, I think there was there's really two aspects. I mean, first... Uh, digital skills that are essential. And then the second is dig digital skills are in shortage. Um, mm. and, and on the essential side, we, we have data um, from not, not our current research, but data from other parties saying, you know, 92% of businesses say digital skills are needed at a basic level uh, for their employees. Four out of five job vacancies already ask for digital skills, and that demands only increasing. Um, we've had accelerated digital transformation through the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then in shortage, um, already, even now, a quarter of employers are saying they face skills gaps, that their employees don't have these basic digital skills. So there's an immediate digital skills gap that's a limited to business success. I think it's also a limiter to people's life opportunities and, of course, a limiter on different countries, their economies, their ambitions um, in the tech space. So um, kind of two things that are happening in parallel, uh, you know, an essentialness of digital skills and a shortage. Yeah, and I don't think digital skills have ever been more important and more in demand in organizations. And what's interesting, I was looking at some business research recently, and what they found is they ask tech leaders in business what is stopping them from really digitally transforming their organization. And the number one barrier was that they didn't have access to the right skills to help them drive this forward. And I completely agree with you. I think it's super important for everyone. If you think about your own career progression, technology like AI will literally augment every single job, every single career in the future. So it's vital that we at least understand, if not able to use those skills. So what drove Intel to carry out this recent bit of research or the report? 
Yeah, I think it's precisely for the reasons that you you outlined there. We we want a workforce that is prepared for tomorrow's needs. Mm. Um, and we wanted to understand what the perceptions of young people are around technology and their careers. I mean, obviously, we're a technology company. Our purpose is to build technology that improves people's lives. We believe in technology as a force for good. We think it can be used to solve some of these big problems we have on you know, climate change. But, but this can only happen if, if the workforce is digitally ready and we have that inclusiveness in the workforce that's going to be working on these problems. So our research focused on this cohort that you talked about, the Gen Z. They're rapidly entering the workforce. They'll be, I believe, 27% is the projection by 2025, which isn't very far away. And that's the that's the cohort we looked at because that's the group that's coming in uh, to the workforce now. And as you said, you might expect them to be um, digital natives, right? You might expect them to have grown up with technology. Sometimes we think they don't even need to be trained. Well, our research found that that's not quite the case. Mm, yeah, super interesting. So maybe you can take us through some of the key findings of the report. I know that this was a UK-focused study, but I, I think most of the findings are relevant to anyone pretty much across the world. And in, in many parts of the world, this would probably be even more severe in terms of some of the gaps. So do you want to take us through some of the key findings? Yeah, I, I think there's two main findings. And you, you called out one at the beginning, that young people have not been well prepared for emerging technologies. We think of them as being digital natives maybe we don't we don't think that they need they can just absorb it you know somehow by osmosis but our research found that they aren't prepared for these emerging technologies that are reshaping our world and the second thing we found um, was that young people have a surprisingly narrow perception around the career paths that will take them into tech um, we found that six out of ten thought that their jobs or the the roles in the future would have some aspect of technology the World Economic Forum predicts it is nine out of 10. So there's a big gap there in the perception of the pathways into technology and and what's going to be required in the future. So slightly surprising there. Yeah, very surprising. So what do you think has happened? How have young people been ill-equipped for the future and for tomorrow's digital workplace? Yeah, I, I like the way that you say ill-equipped because I, I don't think it's that they, you know, young people don't care about these technologies. It's it's on all of us uh, to equip them. So um, what can we be uh, doing is something we, we should talk about a bit later. But so far, I mean, the three, three technologies that we asked about in particular, because we believe them to be some of the most important emerging technologies, hmm. AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing. And uh, the data that we ha came back with said, you know, when it comes to AI, 55% of our respondents said they, they might be aware, but they didn't understand or that even they had no idea about AI. 50% they said they didn't understand or had no idea about cybersecurity. And 70% said they didn't understand or had no idea about quantum computing. And for me, I, I think some of it is probably inherent to technology. I mean, tech's always going to be evolving. It's going to evolve at pace. Formal education systems are going to evolve at a different pace. But but irregardless, it, it leaves us with this skills gap 
um, in certainly in the UK, and I as I agree with you, probably in other countries around the world, there's this skills gap around these, certainly around these emerging technologies for the people who are entering the workforce today, and we would expect them to be using these emerging technologies. Yeah, how did you pick those three technologies? Because for me, AI absolutely is, I believe that 2023 will be the year where lots of organizations will start to scale AI projects. It will start to make a real difference in organizations that most of us will touch AI at work to some extent. Cybersecurity, I completely understand as well, because it's obviously, it's just becoming more prevalent, more important, and I think is is moving out of the IT department and is becoming the role of everyone in the organization to understand the importance of cybersecurity with threat levels going up. Quantum computing for me is slightly further in the future. And there's for me a big threat around quantum computing because it could potentially render our existing encryption methods where we protect data and our IT systems, it could make this inefficient and we could break those security walls down. Why did you pick those three? I think that's exactly it. I mean, AI and cybersecurity are more near term, um, certainly, um, and that kind of bears out in their responses. So the, the although they showed a majority of being unaware or, I mean, I didn't understand or had no idea in AI and cybersecurity, quantum was much higher, which you would probably expect because that is further out. But I think the, the reason to pick quantum computing, even though it's further out, is exactly why what you picked up on there, that if you're working on cybersecurity today and uh, but not aware of the potential for quantum computing and the power of quantum computing to break your encryptions that you're using in traditional mm. computing today, then um, then we're setting up ourselves up for um, maybe our, uh, the, not just another year 2000 kind of, of um, toggle, but something much, much more um, profound where data that we think is secure to get day is simply not secure in the future. Mm, very true. And yeah, so it's an interesting snapshot to look at those. But I think there are other super important technologies around the Internet of Things, around 3D printing, around others that are really transforming our world. And you talked about the pace of change. What I predict is that the pace of change is only going to accelerate because many of those technologies will actually support each other. So quantum computing will accelerate AI and mm. AI will help us with cybersecurity, but will also help people that try to break into our system. So all of these will influence each other and speed the innovation cycles, I think. So what do you think are some of the biggest barriers then to closing this skills gap? Where's this coming from? Yeah, so I think you just kind of hit on one of them. It's uh, it, There is... We picked a few technologies to talk about with with our respondents, but there are many others, and and that was really interesting. That this tech savvy Gen Z um, cohort they they underestimate that um, extent to which the world's becoming digital. Um, as as I said, you know they have a they believe that technology will be part of their jobs, but only six out of ten. Whereas it's going to be much higher than that. Nine out of ten is the the WEF forecast. So there's this gap between the perception and the and the research. And 
some of that actually I think comes from perhaps where we've got to in this stereotype beliefs about STEM and uh, the future jobs. So our respondents felt that studying traditional STEM subjects was likely to help them get find a job more so than studying creative arts. And, and that's great, as you said earlier, um, People are in, in, have an appetite to pursue this career in technology. They think it's going to get them a higher salary. 45% uh, want to be in tech. 33% think it will get them a higher salary. But underlying this positivity around STEM careers, I think you get this binary thinking about STEM is, the, is separate from the arts and it's the only way into a STEM career. And we already have a, a digital skills shortage. So if you're a student who's perhaps talented in the humanities or languages you might feel excluded from stem you might think well i've got no role in in technology therefore um, those jobs don't apply to me or conversely if you're a stem student you're going to miss out on these softer skills critical thinking i know you've written about this you know communication skills and these are these are really necessary even if it's a highly highly digital job market yeah, I agree. And for anyone who doesn't know what STEM is, stands for science, technology, engineering and math. And it's usually seen as the blueprint into tech jobs. But I couldn't agree more. I think we are now talking about extending it to STEAM to add the A in for, for arts. And for me, this is hugely important and will hopefully make this field more attractive. I have three children and I'm a, a governor in our, our local school and I get frustrated so I became the governor that, that also looks at art because I think it's really important to push art and creativity because for me they are some of the skills that will really define successful human beings in the future. Um, in my book Future Skills I look at lots of the skills that we will need in the future. And of course, they're the technical skills, the, the data skills, the digital literacy, the, the cyber threat awareness skills. But the vast majority out of my 20, 16 are soft skills is the communication skills, the creativity, the critical thinking. And I think this will hopefully, if we make this clear that this is really important to have those people, those skills involved in tech, I think, is will make it more attractive and will overcome some of the barriers, especially when we talk about some of the gender gaps, for example. Is this what you see too? Absolutely. Um, you know, innovation requires imagination. It requires mm. creative thinking. It requires design skills. So that STEM to STEAM, I think, is is the long term vision. Should be the long term vision for digital skills in education and um, certainly on the gender gap side as well. Um, we we found that in our research. In fact, we found that um, females, even within Gen Z, um, self um, self scored themselves as being better at creative subjects uh, versus STEM or maths. And, um, and that, again, narrows the pathway. So they feel that there's a narrower pathway into being, into being an engineer or a scientist or a mathematician. Yes, and again, at a time when we already have underrepresentation and we already have a lack of skills, and yet, yet people perceive a, a narrower pathway. So I'm, I believe very much so in that STEM to STEAM um, change in the paradigm. Yeah, and I believe that some of the STEM topics that we talk about, especially math, there's this misconception somewhere when we talk about cybersecurity and AI and quantum, 
then what you need to be is this data scientist. You need a math, you need a math degree, a computing degree. And this is no longer the case. And especially with the push in no code and low code applications where anyone can now build an AI application without any technical understanding with using simple drag and drop interfaces. And this will become more widely available. So for me, the real differentiate in the future will be creativity, will be people that can have this vision, they can turn this into reality, they can think about new ideas, new pro products, new services, new improved business processes, and then use some of these powerful technologies. And some of the real hardcore STEM needs can actually be done by AI in the future as well, to some extent, which is interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think we need to do now? What can we do now to ensure that businesses and countries are ready for the future digital world? Yeah, I think that it's along those two angles. One is to open up the pathways, steam, stem to steam, and, and do it with some urgency, be mm -hmm. because there's already these gaps today. And then what we're doing, what we're putting into this space is support and digital enrichment at all levels. Um, because we can't wait for, you know, what's the next generation? Is it Gen Alpha? We can't wait for Gen Alpha to come through uh, to, to be ready, right? So we, we, we're creating digital readiness programs um, that can be used by governments and educators around the world. Our most well-known actually is around AI, so AI for youth. And we put this program into education partners so that they can bring AI into the curriculum and it's targeted at students age 13 to 19. Um, in the UK, we have some um, partners that we work with, the Tablet Academy, um, and they bring it into secondary schools. And we've, mm -hmm. we've piloted this with some uh, uh, schools in the UK and it's been brilliant to hear what the teachers and the students come back with. They come back with that same concept that you said, it, 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 they're not afraid of AI. They can see how this can be used to solve a big problem. Um, and just seeing how they change from being sort of unsure, thinking AI is about robots to actually understanding it's about how to solve big problems. And hearing the teachers uh, come back and say how much they appreciated having this as a full package. They don't have to be a specialist in, in AI. They can just focus on the delivery and take the package. Yeah, this is fascinating. So this is an online course or how does that work? So you make this available to schools because I think this is super important. I think any education organization, be it schools, even primary schools, secondary schools and universities need to have this as part of their curriculum. They need to teach the three topics that you discussed, AI, cyber and quantum, but much more than this. They need to look at all the transformative technology trends. And I don't see a lot of this entering the curriculum at the moment. How does your approach work? Yeah, so we make these modules available um, and we have AI for citizens, AI for the workforce, digital readiness for leaders, which actually some governments are using because mm -hmm. the leaders who are in charge of policy may not have, feel comfortable with the technology. So we've got modules that address the needs from school, primary school, to people in the workforce and people who want to get this technical confidence and digital skills. And I think you raise a really interesting point about, about how you deliver it. So Sure, we have um, the ability to bring this in as enrichment programs for schools. And by the way, if your school's interested, please do let us know. Um, but 
that's one way. But I also believe that for Gen Z, because they're digital natives, you also have to interact with them in other areas where they hang out, where they get their information in the media, and that might be social media. But it's it's thinking holistically about how do you use digital channels to share this training, but also the excitement of careers and technologies and what the pathways are. So we also have a, a badge-oriented program for AI for Youth, so you can gain badges uh, through IDEA which is a digital learning site. Um, I mean, they have some really fun problems as well to solve. I think my favorite one is um, there's a problem-solving badge, which it's, it's about using AI, but it's using it to solve um, the kimchi crisis, the kimchi harvest crisis in Korea, which I think gets the kids really thinking a bit more broadly about what AI can be used for. Fascinating. Very good. And then I guess from your own perspective, your massive tech company, how do you tackle this for yourself as well as an organization? How do you make sure that people have the right skills? Because one of the challenges I think for every single organization on the planet today is to have more people with the right skills. And because technology is evolving so fast, it means retraining existing employees and also attracting future generations. We need to attract the Gen Zs and anyone who has got those skills already can command a big price tag and they can earn a lot of money. So everyone's competing for the same talent. So how do you tackle this in Intel? Yeah, well, I, I always tell people who say, well, I'm interested in a, um, a, a career in technology. I, I ask them, uh, do they like to learn? Because you're going to have to learn and relearn um, at this pace of technology if you want to have a career in technology. And you have to love doing it. It's about under, trying to understand what's the next next thing and being prepared for it and helping, in mm. my case, helping my customers be mm. prepared for it. So, you know, 45% of respondents say they're interested in in a career in technology, we've already just talked about that's not just a technology is probably broader than people think. Mm -hmm. And we want to nurture that appetite. We want people to understand what's the potential um, for technology, whether you're studying STEM, or whether you're studying hum humanities or languages. And we do that within our own workforce as well. We have, we like to say we're a, a learning organization and we, we take it pretty seriously about continually upgrading and elevating your skills. Um, the technologies we're looking at today did not exist certainly when I, um, or, or the, 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 the defined skills did not exist when I was uh, entering the, the workforce, that's for sure. No, you're absolutely right. And for me, this is something that every organization needs to be aware of. I think most tech companies are already aware and many of the ones I work with, they have those programs in place and they even have the programs like you've just described that reach out into the education sector to help people develop those skills. But I think the key is to actually have those continuous learning programs in in your organization and to give people, even the Gen Zs that, that you will recruit in the future, recruit for curiosity and a willingness to continuously learn and some of the soft skills and then give them some of the tech skills they need. I think that is a nice path to take as well. I love that idea. Yes. So do, do you think it is <laughs> too late or can we still save the future skills gap? What's your prognosis? What's your prediction? Oh, it's, it's not too late. It's, it, I mean, how wonderful 
that young people had this interest in, in careers in technology. So what we need to do is put the right practices in motion to inspire them, educate them, equip them, uh, equip this talent with the digital skills and then create these pathways into digital careers. Um, I mean, certainly in the UK and I think around the world, there is a lot of talk about how we orient the curriculum around science and technology, how we extend, as we talked about, STEM into STEAM and, and what I understand of these um, these curriculum reforms is very positive. But as we said, the, the technologies evolve rapidly. Education systems are always going to be hard pressed to keep pace. So the industry, that includes Intel, um, we need to keep playing our part. We need to create these enrichment programs. We need to make sure that we're not... Um, we are doing our part to help the students, help the educators, help employers and governments expand expand the digital re readiness for the future. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's about creating some excitement around all of this and bringing these topics to life rather than teaching them dry content that is delivered in a way that is so out of date where the teacher stands at the front of the classroom and teaches them some content and, and you need to experience it you need to experiment with it you need to collaborate and work on problems i, I think that is the right approach in schools to really get people excited about all of this what advice would you give any young person today in terms of their future career and how to future prove themselves I certainly want to encourage everybody to consider careers and technologies and to be excited by the possibilities. But I think the most important thing is what you just highlighted, which is what problems do you want to solve? And if you understand the problems that you want to solve and, and, and where, then then look for the technology. Don't, don't pick a technology um, unless you're particularly a research-oriented, uh, you know, you want to be a research scientist. Um, I would, on the other hand, pick the problems, pick the areas that you want to work on and then look for the technologies uh, to to apply. And then I think you can have a really rewarding technology career. Yeah, and I, I would probably even go a step further and say, not just consider a career in tech, but realize that tech will be part of every single career, whether you think this is a tech career or not. I think all of those skills will become increasingly important to every single job role and every single in in every single single industry. Absolutely. Maybe maybe WEF is wrong. It's not nine out of ten. It's ten out of ten. Yes, absolutely. One question that I ask all my guests is to give me your hopes and predictions for the future as someone that heads up Intel in the UK. What's your view? What are your hopes and predictions for the future? Well, I am a believer in, in technology as a force for good. And my hopes and beliefs are that technology will be used uh, to solve the big challenges we face today, whether it's social equity, whether it's climate change, whether poverty, these um, these problems will be better solved through the use of technology. And that's my hope and my prediction. Very good. And I share that optimism and this enthusiasm about using technology to actually make our world a better place and we can use it to create the world we want to live in hopefully thank you very much trish that was a fascinating conversation hopefully we can do this again at some point yes thank you and i really appreciated your time and, and thank you for having me
pleasure. And anyone who ever wants to re-listen to this conversation, head to my podcast or my YouTube channel. Thank you very much.